How wonderful in the middle of these trying times to be reminded of the reckless love of God, that the God who came after us on the cross is going to take care of us in this pandemic. So glad you're with us. I I love Senior Sunday. Uh, We're so badly we were here in this room and all the parents and their seniors were sitting together. That's a really special time. It was great seeing Jackson Hill on uh, the communion time. I can, I can remember Jackson as just a little baby with those bright, mischievous eyes. I know his hair has grown a little bit since that time, but how wonderful to see the great families in our church and these young people growing up to, to be great in the kingdom of God. So, so excited about that. And I believe the message today will certainly apply to the seniors. Honestly, it applies to all of us because here's what we're talking about, contentment in the pause. We're all in this pause when everything has been shut down, slowed down, and it's so challenging to be content. I mean, the word contentment literally means to be satisfied. Contentment is being satisfied. And and, and if you're like me, that's challenging enough during just normal days, more or less than a time when everything is different. We probably struggled with contentment this week when Governor Ivey announced that we'd continue some of these restrictions. Some of you like Jackson, you can't get a haircut yet. And everything's still slow. Now, who I want to focus on, though, for a moment are, are these seniors. Because to me, they're, they could be one of the least content groups around. Because just think, their senior year was completely disrupted. And I've been talking to some of them this week. And some of the things they say they missed is they can never make up for the missed last moments. You know, your last prom, your last day of school. After this is over, they can't go back and do that. And there's so many things that they're missing out on, senior trips, all those kind of things. And then, you know, I was talking to one of them that's a, a baseball player. I mean, last year his team had been very successful. He was looking to have a great year this year, and now that's been disrupted. No more baseball. Doesn't get to finish out with his team he's played with for a long, long time. Now, I, I do notice that Jackson Hill is the exception. I mean, he's having a great time. He said, I'm having a blast. And I love that because he's found a way in this moment to be okay. So all of us need to find and learn how to be content. Now, what I'm going to tell you this morning is that the Apostle Paul believes that you can be content in any and every situation. Now, think about that. That's a radical, that's a radical statement. Paul, Paul's going to say to us, you could be content when you're eating high on the hog and when you're hungry. I mean, in fact, let's go to the passage, Philippians chapter 4 today, and let's learn from Paul. Now, this is an interesting passage, these few verses, because Paul is thanking the Philippian church for their um, financial gift. And he wants to thank them, but at the same time, he wants them to know he'd have been okay without it. So, so listen how he puts that together. Verse 10, Philippians 4. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then here's the verse many of us memorize. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now let's look at this a little closer. Because when you hit a verse that you know, like verse 13, we've taken it way out of context. We, we've made verse 13 is, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I memorize that and I quote that enough, I can be Superman. That's not what Paul's saying. But what Paul is saying is even in the midst of difficult times, through Christ, you can have contentment. And let's go back and look at that verse. Let's look at that verse one more time. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, if you don't believe what Paul's saying there, Paul said, let me give you some illustrations. You can be content if you are living in prosperity or you're poor, if you're full or you're hungry. He would say if you're suffering or you're living in abundance, if you're healthy or you're unhealthy, if you're living under quarantine or in the moment we have the vaccine. He'd say to me, you, you can be content whether you're leading worship or not leading worship. You see, despite the huge public outcry for me to be the worship leader, you know, they're not letting me do that today. They're, they're very afraid I would keep my mic on. But you see, what he's saying there is it doesn't matter what's going on around you when what's in you brings you to peace. In fact, he says it's a secret. No joke. No joke. Contentment is a secret. I'd like to learn it. How about you? There's a lot of words I would use to describe myself, but content would probably not be one of them. So, you know, when I'm preaching today, I'm preaching at you and preaching at me. And and I hope as we go through this, we will start learning this secret. Because here's what Paul says is, he's learned it. Now, this word here for learned is not so much about learning through knowledge. Even though hopefully what we're going to be doing here today will help you move toward that direction or looking at some of the great Bible characters like Paul or Joseph who who were content in difficult times can certainly be helpful. But the the word here is to learn through experience. We, We would say to our high school seniors today, you're going to learn as you go through the college of hard knocks. And that's how you learn it. And that's why as we come to this passage, I must tell you, Paul is the perfect teacher. He's not writing this from a lazy boy with a 70-inch TV watching the documentary about Michael Jordan's last season or watching endless reruns of HGTV. He's not in a comfortable place to say, wow, he's content. He's a 60-year-old Jewish man chained to a Roman soldier who doesn't know whether tomorrow he will live or die. So I think we ought to listen to him. If you look through some of the things that, that Paul's been through, he's been through beatings and imprisonments and starving. I mean, he, he's been through it all. And, and what Paul is saying to us that's so critical is, you know, guys, I didn't start off this way. I learned this. So here's what we're trying to learn. We're trying to learn to be content. The word literally means to be sufficient. Now here's what's so fascinating about this passage. This word was very popular with Stoics in Paul's day. They would say, 
you can be sufficient within yourself. Now, here's what's so cool about Paul. Paul takes their word. Here's what I would put it. Paul takes their word, baptizes it, and makes it a Christian. A, a word that would describe a philosophy that God would never agree with is taken by Christianity, changed, and now applies to our life. You see, there seems to me, Paul's mentioning and alluding to two pathways to contentment. The first is the Stoics, to learn to be self-sufficient. And then is the Christian way, is to learn to be Christ-sufficient. Let's talk about the Stoics just for a moment. You see, the Stoics believe that the way to contentment is for me to be totally self-sufficient and self-contained. The best way to them, to contentment, is to be satisfied within myself with no outside influences. In other words, a Stoic would say, I don't need you. I don't need anything else. It's all right here. So here's some of their attitudes. Stoics would be indifferent. I mean, here's what they believed is, if, if, if the way, if the ups and downs of life bother me, the ups and the downs, then the best way to get over that is just don't care. I mean, just decide what it, whatever will be, will be. And I don't really care. I'm, I'm cutting off my emotions. I, I'm going to be numb. And then another philosophy would, I'll just be complacent. You know, as long as I want things to be better, as long as I think things should improve, it's hard for me to be complacent. Now, here's what I want to say to you today. Stoicism, though we don't use that word anymore, is well alive in our culture. It's a great coping skill. Numb yourself to what's going around you by either mentally not caring or maybe some kind of addiction that just numbs your feelings. And so here's what happens. You become free from passion. Yes, it's a coping skill, but it's a really lousy way to live. Because if you have no lows, you have no highs. If you're never sad, you're never joyful. The idea of stoicism is to have no feelings. That's why Stoics were so turned off by Jesus, because they thought God would be like them. And they believed if God had feelings, that meant that he was controlled by us. And so in the passage we looked at last week, John eleven thirty five, 35, when Jesus wept, they would be greatly offended. We're drawn to it, because who wants to live without feelings? Who wants to follow a God who's a stoic? Who doesn't care? Now, what I love about here, this passage, is who's saying again, it's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul would never be known as a Stoic. He was not um, complacent about things. You see, that, that's always been my struggle, is, is, is for me to become content, do I have to become complacent? Listen to what Paul said just a chapter over in chapter 13, verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward his head, I press on toward the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? Man, I'm pushing on. I'm not complacent. But here's my problem. Is it possible to be like Paul and not be complacent and at the same time be content? Paul says yes, and Paul demonstrates it. For instance, I really loved what Jackson said about growing up in this church. 
that he knew from a baby that this church is about reaching people for Jesus. Our mission statement is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, as your minister, sometimes I'm not satisfied that we're reaching enough people or we're discipling enough people or maturing enough people. And if I'm not careful, my answer to that is to become complacent. If it bothers me that not many people come to the Lord, well, the easy way to protect myself and my heart is to go, I just can't care about that. But here's what I love about what Paul's saying here is, it is possible to be content and not be complacent. There's a second path that is so different than the Stoics' path. Here's the Christian's path. To learn to be Christ-sufficient. Do you, you notice the difference? The Stoic was self-sufficient. For us, it's Christ-sufficient. And that's what Paul is saying in these verses. Now, what are some things we noticed in this context about how this shows up in Paul's attitudes. Let me give you just a few for you to think about because I know we all would love to learn this secret. First of all, be thankful. Paul said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord when I found out you guys were helping me. I can, I can live without it, but when I found out that you were helping me, man, did I get fired up. Thank you so much. He challenges earlier in the chapter that when you pray, you pray with thanksgiving. One of the secrets of contentment is the focus on what God has given you, not on what he hasn't given you. You see, a lack of contentment is fueled by comparison. When I say, man, how did that guy get that house? How did they get that car? I mean, how do their kids get to go do this? How do they get that vacation? I, it, it fuels it. And Paul said, no, get over that, guys. Just focus on what you have. Listen, seniors. If you can learn this at 18 years old, or at least start the process, oh my goodness, it will lead you to such a blessed life where you're not jealous and you're not comparing, where you're content and thankful for what God has given you, and that's what you focus on, not what he hadn't given you. Be prayerful. That's the next attitude. You know, Paul, listen to what he says earlier in this chapter, do not be anxious about anything. So what do you do, Paul? How, how do we not be anxious in this coronavirus? When we don't know if we'll have a job tomorrow. We don't know if the economy will, will fall apart. We don't know if one of our relatives will get this sickness. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Isn't that awesome? And here's what he says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what the message says there. Christ displaces, displaces worry at the center of your lives. How do we do that? By turning our worry list into our prayer list. That's one of the best things you can do is surrender from being God right now, and, and you do that through prayer. It's the greatest act of surrender. And then you, you allow Christ to be sufficient for you by being humble. I mean, look, look at our verse one more time. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, for you seniors, when you go to a secular university or out in the world, they're only going to tell you the first part of this verse. I can do all things. What they're going to teach you is you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Well, how do I find that strength? Look within yourself. All the answers are within you. You're the center of the universe. You can accomplish it. 
And I'm, I'm telling you, if you just live the first half of this verse, you're going to be greatly disappointed. And you're not going to be content. Because you can't do all things. You can't handle everything on your own. So what the Christian would say, man, keep that part of the verse, but add this, I can do all things through Christ. He gives me strength. And so we learn to be humble. It's not about what I can accomplish. You see, like with my lack of contentment about the church sometimes and about, you know, how we're doing. The answer is not for Buddy to become complacent. The answer is for me to give it to God. And then oh, I don't have the strength, the well-being, the knowledge. The, the, I, I, don't, I, I can't make it happen. I can re- relax and rely on God and, and be humble enough to know he's the only one that can make it happen, and he wants to. I, I love this story about Sebastian Bach, the famous composer. I mean, he was so gifted. His music still played centuries later. At the end of his song, he would put initials that would say to his readers in their language, to the glory of God alone. But at the beginning of anything he composed, he would put the initials that said simply, Jesus, help. This musical genius knew that he could only accomplish great things all things because of Jesus' help into the glory of God. Now, let's get practical about this. A year or so ago, I I shared with you what's called the pendulum, okay? And um, this is a really practical tool that I found to help me in this. And and what you see on the screen here is based on John chapter 15. And, 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 And Jesus says, the first thing you need to do is abide in me, okay? The first thing is not to go be fruitful. The first thing is to abide in me. You can do all things through Christ. But it starts through Christ. To abide means to to make your home with him, to relax with him, to be with him. And, And so here's how the pendulum goes. You abide, you begin to grow in him, you become fruitful. And then, like any pendulum, it swings back. From fruitfulness, you go back through and you're pruned so that you can be more fruitful and you go back to abide. It's a rhythm of life. I abide, I produce fruit, I produce fruit, I go back and I abide. That's what we're talking about in this pause. And that's what's taught throughout Scripture. Now, it's first exemplified in Genesis chapter 1. Have you noticed something really weird about the days of creation? Here it is. It's always described this. There was an evening and a morning of the first day. Wrong. We all know it's morning and evening. But that's not how God looked at days. That's not how Jewish people looked at days. They started in the evening, and then they went to the morning. That was that Sabbath principle of every day. Now, what was the meaning of that? It was the meaning that I'm to remember at the beginning of my day that God's in control. In that culture, you couldn't do anything in the dark. And not only is God in control, but my worth is not based on my performance. Before anything happens and I can go out and work and achieve things, I first of all must abide. Another word for abide here would be to rest. I must pause and be with God at the beginning of my time. Then when I get into my morning, my self-worth is not based on what I do. 
because my power comes from God. <laughs> I like what I'm Jackson said. This is a great time for us to rest our mind before we go crazy talking to his fellow seniors. Now, Jackson, I do know that you're talking about going crazy for Jesus, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, and I like that. And I do believe that's one of the purposes of this pause. And our challenges when we get out of this pause is that we learn to live in this kind of pause every day when we rest before we work. It, it, it just works. And then the, the last thing here, Paul's attitude, don't, don't um, mistake this for, for, again, Paul being complacent. He says, the last thing is that we are to be powerful. We do believe we can do all things through Christ. I mean, listen to how one translation puts it. I'm ready for anything. Do you hear that? I'm ready for anything through the strength of Christ. Because of Jesus, I have a I can do attitude. You see, contentment is not about goofing off and giving up on life. Contentment is about maximizing the moments. There's no better illustration than this than the Apostle Paul here. Paul's life has been put on pause. He's been arrested. He's in jail with the Roman guard, talking about social distancing. Not with the guard, but with all his friends. And he's here, and his life's put on pause. Now, if you're Paul, you could easily have said here, well, my goodness, I can't preach, I can't teach, people are talking bad about me. I might as well just not care. But you know what Paul's able to share in Philippians chapter 1? Because he's in prison, the whole Praetorian guard are beginning to come to Christ. He was powerful in that moment. And I want to say to you and I today, in this moment of pause, if we can find contentment and power in Christ, we can be so powerful. Not in a complacent way, so I just got to make it through this. But you know, I've got strength to make it through this to the glory of God. I've got strength to make it through this and accomplish God's will. But I want to boil it down to you just for a moment to, to two pictures here. And I mean, there's a, a thermometer and there's a, a thermostat. And I think that's our choice here. A thermometer simply reflects and registers what is going on, okay? And that's easy. If life's up, man, looking good. Life's down, not feeling good. And, and that, that's the easy way to find contentment is just reflect life. The challenging way, the godly way, Paul's way, is to be a thermostat. A thermostat does not register what's going on. It determines what's going on. A thermostat says, you know what? In the middle of this, because I've got Christ's power, not my power, because of Christ's power, I can walk in the room and things can be better. Paul's saying, because I know Jesus, and even I'm in prison now, there are great things that can happen. Because that's, that's what I want to say I mean, first of all, to our seniors, you, you've grown up in this church, and, and we're, not, we're not just sending you out to be complacent. We, we are doing everything in our power to send you out as incredible missiles of Christ. We want you to go out, and we want you to be the thermostat in your dorm, in your apartment, where you work if you're going to work, where you're going to school. You set the temperature. Not because you've got the power to do it, but because Christ is in you. So here's what I want us to do just for a moment. As you look at this, I want us to take a pause for a minute and a half again. 
And, and here's what I'd like you to do if you're by yourself or if you're in a group. First of all, how content are you right now? Zero, not content at all. Five, perfectly content. So, so just sort of rate yourself real quickly. And, and are you reflecting more a thermometer or a thermostat? So I'm going to give you a minute and a half, then we're going to close out quickly, and we're going to sing some very meaningful songs. So please think about that and talk about this if you could. I hope you had a good discussion, and, and I hope it wasn't discouraging to you. Because I think we see from what Paul is teaching us is this is something that we learn over a lifetime. I'd be surprised if most of us were fives, you know, in the area of contentment. But it is something, though, we can learn. And I think that's what's so exciting about the pause that we're having is because if we can learn to, to be content in the middle of this pause, how much will that bless us when we get out of this? So I want you to be thinking about that I want us to, to sing just a, a few minutes. And we're going to start with this classic hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I think it expresses exactly what we want to be to say, not on our own power, but through Christ. Now, it, it will help you to know the, the background of this song. It was, it was written by Horatio Spafford. Uh, his family had been a part of the, the Great Fire of Chicago and his son had been burned to death, and him and his family were going to go to Europe. And he had some business come up, so he couldn't go. So he sent his wife and four children across the Atlantic Ocean. They were in a crash at sea, and all four of his girls perished. He, He received a message from his wife that simply said two words, saved alone. So he's crossing the Atlantic now on another ship, to meet his wife. And when he comes to the part of the Atlantic close to where his daughters had perished, he begins to write this amazing song. It is well with my soul. I have peace. And I think what he was teaching and what we're about to sing is the same thing Paul has said to us today. I can make it through anything through Christ. I can be content in any and every situation. So please reflect on that and rejoice in that as we sing this wonderful hymn.